Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about following Jesus and the everyday normal rhythms of life. And on the podcast, first podcast, post-sabbatical, on the podcast, we got the band back together. Gentlemen, yeah. you want to uh, introduce yourselves. How's it going, guys? Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Kevin Kenor, Pastoral Assistant. And Rob Spikeser, Pastor of Discipleship. All right. Well, it is good to be back with everyone. Um, we are excited to be podcasting. Rob, you want to introduce the uh, the topic for the day? Well, yeah. First of all, I'm impressed by the fact that you actually remembered the introduction with no problem. Good job. I mean, <laughs> it didn't good. sound like yeah. you were gone for three three yeah. months at all. It's like three hours and I, you were right back I at it. I guess it's just ingrained in some kind of special po- part of my brain. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the, the part of my brain that should remember my kids' birthdays and all those kind of things. <laughs> I have that memorized, I think, That's in, that, good. in that place. Yeah, let me let me introduce our topic today. Our, our topic really, actually, it was is something that as elders uh, we saw as important for uh, Justin to be doing, uh, and that is taking a sabbatical after, actually, I think we started the discussion probably nine years into Sacred City's life, but really never, didn't really get accomplished until, what, almost 11 years in. Uh, we're just short of 11 or just right about on 11 years. So so it took us a little while to actually get it all pulled together in terms of having an opportunity for uh, Justin. And really, what, we, what are we saying? We're saying our lead pastor or pastors, uh, the need to get away, spend some time uh, to rest, which, of course, you hear the name sabbatical, and, of course, immediately you think of Sabbath, you think of rest. So this was an opportunity for uh, Justin to uh, rest, uh, one thing, and, uh, and part of that rest and part of the <laughs> part of the thing we really wanted wanted you to do was spend time with your family and yeah. uh, really uh, go deep with them because we know with uh, pastoral ministry, which there really is no in one sense a break uh, from hour by hour, really, um, you're on call all the time, uh, that steals away from what needs to be done within your family. And so part of Part of what uh, we were wanting Justin to do was to be really going deep with his family, spending some really good quality time with them. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he had a few opportunities to do that. and But also then to just take some time to really, particularly with this, this first sabbatical, just to uh, study, read, whatever he wanted to, something that he wanted to, to get after that he never felt like he really had the, the kind of the space to do previously to this. So... Uh, so anyway, so we uh, eventually got around pulling the policy together and getting that all done and uh, working hard to, to get things prepped up so that we could, uh, you could take uh, three months off. And so that's what we ultimately ended up doing, three months starting June 1st and ending August 31st. So here we are a few weeks later. Yeah, so I've heard from several folks that they kind of wanted to hear an update and what did I do on my sabbatical? Um, going into it, like I said, we wanted to rest and kind of rejuvenate and we wanted to get away. Um, we wanted to get away from the quad cities so that we were out of our normal rhythms. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the goals. And one of my goals that I talked to my wife about was that I wanted, you know, in the normal rhythms of life, as parents, we say no way more often than we want to, probably, just because well, I've got five kids. They all want to do something. They've got school events. They've got sporting events. We've got church events. And so, hey, can I go over here? Can this person spend the night? Can we get ice cream? Can we go out to eat? Can we 
go, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, we just, no, we can't because we've, you've got school tomorrow or no, we can't, we've got church tonight. No, we can't. We've got, we're going to go over to this family's house for dinner. Mm. And so I thought, well, for three months off, I want it to be more like the garden of Eden where there was a whole garden full of yeses hmm, and yeah. one no. Interesting. <laughs> and one no. That's yes. good. All right. Gotcha. Just don't eat from the tree, right? <laughs> like we're still not going to sin. We can't do that, but yeah. lots of yeses. Huh. And, um, I told my wife, I said, there, we hadn't been to the beach in a decade, and that means three of my kids have never been to the beach. Yeah. And so I said, you know, what's the cheapest beach we can go to? Mm-hmm. And that's the Redneck Riviera. If you don't know what that is, that is Gulf Shores, <laughs> Alabama. Yeah. And so we scheduled <laughs> 10 days down in Gulf Shores, and uh, and then we, we wanted to go to our favorite place on earth, which is Keystone, Colorado. And um, and so we scheduled uh, two weeks out there in Keystone in July. And so, and then in between those, Amanda's brother uh, was getting married in Sandusky, Ohio. And so we knew we had to drive out there for four days and be with about 20 of her family members in under one roof hmm. uh, f- and, and pull off a wedding and a reception. That was fun, huh? It, it was. <laughs> it, it was for an... In- okay, I am barely an extrovert, okay? Yeah. I am right on the... the I'm in, right over the line of being an introvert. So mm-hmm. I'm, I am an extrovert when I take all the tests, but being with people pulls a lot of energy out of me. Yeah. I, ex- it's like I turn on when I'm in a group of people, you know, mm-hmm. and then when I leave those people, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. battery drained. Right. And, uh, and so it was, the kids had a blast. Everybody had a blast at the wedding. I mean, some of the best memories probably that they've ever made just uh, so my brother-in-law's wife and all of her family, they're French speaking Canadians. So we were, so hey. like 10 of these people, they don't speak English <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. and, and they're in and oh. uh, they're in with us. And all, the only, the only English that her dad knew was shot. He just wanted to come do a shot with me all the time. Oh. Like oh, at goodness. the wedding, at like the reception, he's just yeah. like shot. And I was like, <laughs> That's good language. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, and then eventually I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, but he that you could tell he was trying to connect and he was trying mm-hmm, to bond right. and and it was uh, it was pretty cool. I had my bourbon and he had his Canadian whiskey and he, we, were, we were trying them out. But <laughs> but it was just really interesting for my family to be in that kind of environment and to try to love somebody that you can't even speak English and they, and it was and be hospitable to them and yeah. it was it was a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. so so the sabbatical we we started out. Uh, went down to Gulf Shores and really just the only goal for Gulf Shores was just vacation. Like we, we had been through a pretty, um, difficult season at the church of just closing MCs, working on leadership Institute, planning all this stuff. And so we just, we just really want, and the school just got over, you know, we really just wanted to go down there and rest. And, and so we had a little, we had a condo on the beach and that's what we did, man. We, I would wake up early, like 6am and, and go look like the, that beach dad that needs like needs four arms. Cause I've got beach chairs and beach umbrellas and, you know, boogie boards and all this stuff. And I'm hauling it down to the beach to, to get a, the perfect spot right there on the water. And I would do that. And then I'd come back upstairs and, and, uh, drink my coffee and read my Bible and read, read a little bit of, read some books. And then when the kids woke up, they'd eat breakfast and we'd go down probably about between eight and nine o'clock, probably around nine o'clock, we'd be down at the beach. And I, I was sitting, you know, just sitting on the beach and, and, uh, and then again, whatever the kids wanted me to go out the water, I'd go out in the water. Yeah. We'd, um, we went to like the dollar store at Gulf Shores and we bought like, 
you know, all of the the junk. Yeah. Just the, the you say yes a lot then. Uh, I say, <laughs> so the boogie yeah. boards, the skim boards, yep. the floats, the these. There's like these gel balls now that they skip across the water phenomenally. Huh. Like you can be a hundred yards away from each other and sidearm it and it'll skip 20 times wow. before it gets, and then if it hits the wave, it shoots up in the air. It's just a lot of fun. So yeah. you're out the football, the Frisbee, we're out there literally in the water from 9am until, until noon about, we'd go up, make lunch, lay the baby, lay the baby down. And Amanda would stay up in the room, and then I'd, the kids wanted to go back out. And so then I'd take the kids back out, mm-hmm. and I'd usually sit there and read a little bit while they played. And, uh, and then we'd, uh, again, go back out in the water, you know, whatever. I was, um, I got super dark. I got a lot, of tan, a lot of tan, had a lot of fun. And then that was pretty much our routine every single day for 10 days, except yeah. a couple days we went, to, uh, we went to a zoo one time, and... Uh, we went out to eat a couple a couple nights, mm-hmm. but we it's pretty pretty low key. And then they had this place called the Hangout, where they have live music and a bunch of people come. And you know it was Piper's birthday one night, so they had her stand up on the table and she was dancing on the table. That's and cool. We just had a just had a blast, just yeah. had, had a lot of fun. And um, <clears throat> but that was pretty much it for yeah. um, for Gulf Shores. Came home. We we're literally home. I think we we're home for like. Maybe it was almost two weeks. But on the way down there, did you go to Papa Otis's house? He has the uh, best view. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went down there with you guys yeah, before. Yeah. So Alex and I and our families, we went about 10 years ago. We went down to Gulf Shores together. Mm-hmm. And we stayed at my grandpa's house in, in Gunnersville. But my grandpa actually fell about a year ago and messed up his knee, messed up his ankle. He's had to have multiple surgeries. So he's actually was up here mm-hmm. in Iowa and he had to have another surgery. And he's been staying with my parents for a while. So no, we we ah. we we did get a hotel somewhere, and literally I can't even remember because I think it's about I think it was like seventeen hours, a seventeen hour drive down mm-hmm. there. But with the baby, you know, it adds a couple of hours. So I was, I literally drove. I all of our travels, I drove over seventy five hours. Oh man! And so I crushed some audiobooks. Yeah. And I'll just tell you right away, the best book that I read or actually had read to me because it was an audiobook <clears throat> was uh, John Adams by David McCullough. Mm-hmm. And if you like history, if you want to learn more about the history of our, of our nation, this is, I mean, this is right there on like the best book I've ever read. Like I couldn't put it down. I was ready to drive just because I, and when I downloaded it, it said like 31 hours yeah. and I was like, Oh Long my end. goodness. Yeah. Wow. So I listened to it at like one and a half speed. I, my kids think I'm a freak for doing that, but I can pick it up. I like it. But it was absolutely fascinating to hear the providence of God, how God brought about the American Revolution, how he brought about the Declaration of Independence, how he brought back about our Constitution and the Bill of Rights and, and the men like George Washington and John Adams and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and uh, Alexander Hamilton – all of these like iconic once in a lifetime type of men brought them all together at one time to give birth to this nation. And John Adams was a, he, we would call him a Puritan. He, he had been in, uh, he had, his family had been in the United States, United States of America for like either 200 or 300 years hmm. already by this time. He was like the third or fourth generation, all Puritans, all um, church going. 
Bible-believing, honest, working, and, and educated men who wanted to build a Christian civilization. Yep. And God raised him up, kind of like Nehemiah, for a, for a moment such as this. And, and so it's just a, if you want to read about a man who was principled, he had integrity. I mean, he was away from his, for his wife, from his wife and family for like years on end. Like one time, I think it was three years straight without seeing him. Mm. And not a hint of impropriety, not a hint of scandal. Where, and I'll just tell you, like Thomas Jefferson, there was always scandal around Thomas Jefferson with women and different things. And Benjamin Franklin was always, you know, cheating on his wife and stuff. It was just known. Uh, nothing like that of John Adams. Yeah. John Adams just got on everybody's nerves yeah. because he was just like a truth-oriented <laughs> guy. So, and his love, the, le- the letters that he would write his wife and she would write him, I just... I just felt like less of a man mm-hmm. when I read that book. And I was like, this is who I want to be. I need wow. to be more like this guy. Uh, and so I would encourage anybody, if you like historical uh, novels, go back and read that or have it read to you and download it. It's a phenomenal audio book. And, uh, and David McCullough just passed away. Yeah, that's right. So he wrote 1776, which is very, way smaller. Great book as well. Uh, I think that one was made into a movie. but And John Adams, also I forgot. John Adams was made into a made-for-TV series on HBO. And after reading it, I went back and, and watched it. And it, it's pretty good. They leave out so many good things, though, and they, they, they twist a couple things that drives me crazy. So in, our, in the Declaration of Independence, where Thomas uh, Jefferson wrote, uh, well, the, the first copy, when he, when he, we, we, what we would know is human beings have certain inalienable rights, the first copy that Thomas Jefferson wrote said human beings are born with a sac- with sacred and divine rights. Mm. Mm. Sacred and divine. But when it went to the Congress and it went to the group of people, people said, ah, I don't really like that. And there were more, we don't need that kind of Bible language. So let's just say inalienable. And okay, we went with inalienable. But in the movie, they said, oh, that smacks of the pulpit. And I was like, they didn't say that. Yeah. You just added that in there. It didn't, didn't smack of the pulpit, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just interesting to learn now those kind of historical facts. And so had a had a blast um, um, listening to that. Then, on, oh, I forgot, on the way back from Gulf Shores, again, it was Piper's birthday. And we didn't, we didn't want her to be bummed out because we her birthday was on vacation and she couldn't ever. So what we did is on the way back, we stopped in Kentucky. That's, that my wife found some water park. And we rented out one of those little cabanas, and we we ordered pizza, and we just had her birthday party at a at a water park. And, That's cool. Yeah, and so we spent the day there, and then <clears throat> stayed in stayed in an Airbnb, and then and then came home. Um, so then we get back home, and then I'm pretty much doing my normal life. This is what's interesting. Now this is this part's a little depressing. Okay, so I'm just gonna let you know that. Um, It's almost impossible <laughs> to really have a sabbatical of what you would think in your mind when you have five kids under the age of 15, yeah. okay? Because they still have needs, they still have events, they still have sports, you're still driving people around and dropping them off. It's not like you're just Three out. hours a day. Yeah, you're just not out, <laughs> not out, you know, it's like you're just not out in the woods with Jesus, you know, like... And so there was there. So when we got home, everybody went back to their thing. Javin was lifting weights, and Javin had wrestling, and uh, my and uh, my kids had had 
other other events and they want to go do play dates here and they had a birthday party there and we still got to get groceries and we still got to mow the grass and we you know we still got all the stuff Javin was working a little bit and so you're just back in your normal rhythm you're wake you're waking up I'm drinking coffee I'm reading my bible I'm reading yeah. a little bit of books I go to jujitsu and then come home I'm eating lunch I'm with the family and then I start you know driving kids wherever wherever they need to be mm-hmm. um and so it was pretty much that for a couple weeks before we went to the <clears throat> uh before we went to the wedding and then mm-hmm. we went and enjoyed the wedding for a few days um i think it was about eight hours away there that was about eight hours so that's another 16 hours <clears throat> of driving and then by the time we get home we're supposed to rest one day which is the fourth of july <laughs> and then leave the next day and we we're going to take two days to get to Colorado because that's another 16 hours because all the way up to Keystone about. And I said, babe, I, I, I can't. We can't. Let's just push our trip back a day and I'll just drive all the way through. Because I just think so here. This is what you gotta think of. We have a minivan. Yeah. Right. We have a minivan. We have the luggage ca- luggage carrier on top. OK. The back is I mean, all the kids are stuck. Packed, yeah. Right. You know, so we, I've already loaded this thing to go to. Florida, mm-hmm. or, or Gulf Shores, I've already unloaded it, then I loaded it again to go to Ohio, and then I unloaded it, and now I'm about to load it again, and now this time when we go to Colorado, we have, I've, I have this custom-made bike rack that I put on the back, and I have to carry six bikes, Yeah, you know, for all, for all the kids that ride bikes. We literally, if you know what Beverly Hillbillies is, we literally look like the Clampets when we're, when we're in this thing. <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the engine, like, lifts up, and it looks like a lowrider. Um, so I was like, I just, I just do not. And I was at the point I was like, I'm done traveling. I don't even want to go to Colorado. This is just too much driving. And it's tough on my wife too, because the baby's crying and the kids have to help. And then she has to switch spots with them and get in the back and try to, you know, the baby was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, an 18 month old baby sitting strapped in a car seat for over 75 hours um, we're, I'm just really thankful that she's she was very very good and didn't scream a lot. My my first daughter Zoe, we went to Alabama one time and she screamed literally for like nine hours, and uh, and that was this summer, right? <laughs> no, no, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Zoe, about, on yeah, the yeah, other hand, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Zoe, if nope, you're that, listening that to this, I'm in trouble was about, now. She was about a year and a half, and it <laughs> yeah. was oh, it was a nightmare trip. You know, here's a here's an interesting question, just kind of uh, to. to we might want to uh, maybe answer, and that is, why is it, I, I would assume that maybe if you're listening to this, you've never been part of a context where a sabbatical is even part of the, of the, of the life of, a, of, of someone, they may say, well, why do you need a sabbatical versus why I need a sabbatical? I mean, I, yeah. you know, I think, I think we can all say that there's a moment like, well, I'd like a sabbatical as well. Why is it so important, I think, why is it so important for, in the context of, Ministry, which is where we hear many times a sabbatical, or you might hear it within the context of teaching. Yeah. You know, many times professors will take a sabbatical or be given a sabbatical. What's, a, what's unique about these two professions or callings that um, really demands a little bit more of a, 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 a time away? Yeah. I think I want to answer that kind of in, in two, two directions. The first is it, we, we kind of understand this with our children yeah. and with teachers, like teachers, teachers basically get a sabbatical, sabbatical every year summer. <laughs> or yep. every summer, yep. every, every year they get three months off and we want to, and we recognize this with our kids. Like our, our kids, they're kind of in that zone and they need a little bit of freedom. Mm-hmm. They need that little bit of, um, just to, to loosen up a little bit. Right. 
Um, and so we see that in, in d- different um, fields of life. But one thing that's common is it's, it's actually becoming more and more common, even in the corporate world, hmm. to give sabbaticals. There's a guy in our church who said, yeah, I work for this company out in Colorado, and they have mandatory sabbaticals. Even like, I don't want to take them. They're like, nope, you have to take them. Because they, and listen, corporate America doesn't do things uh, because they just want to bless their employees. Right? Right, no matter right, right. what they say, that's not why they do it. Right? Come back and work harder, baby. Exactly. <laughs> they, know, they know they get more out of an employee yeah. if he's refreshed. Because the way our brain works, literally, our brain, it, you know, they call it neuroplasticity, that it, it adjusts and it, it's always changing and it always adapts to different circumstances. And so when you get out of your normal rhythm, your brain chemistry changes. You will have better ideas. You'll be more creative. You'll have more uh, freedom to make, uh, to make wise decisions. You, you won't be, at, you, typically you're not going to be as stressed, right? You're not going to be under pressure to, and so you're going to be just more creative and then you're going to come back and you're going to get more done, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so now that's just kind of pragmatic and practical. I think God does it. God tells us to take sabbaticals for, and, and Sabbaths um, for spiritual reasons too, that, um, you know, the land had to take a sabbatical, even the animals took sabbatical. I mean, like you had in the, in the old Testament, God, there was a, a lot, um, a lot of different Sabbaths. And one of the reasons that we were take, we were to take a sabbatical is the same reason that we sleep at night. Mm. It's not just to get recharged, but it, it's to be reminded of our, um, finiteness, right? That God does, God is the only one that doesn't sleep. Yeah. And that, guess what? You're really not that important. I mean, we, listen, I don't want to say that in, in like flippant way, like as fathers, as husbands, as churchmen, as we're, you're important, mm-hmm. but God is the one keeping the earth on its axis, right? Yeah. God is the one orchestrating all things. So as men, and as spiritual men and as spiritual leaders, it's very easy to take too much ownership of the ministry mm. where you begin, even though our theology would tell us this isn't the case, and even our philosophy of ministry would fight against this, you come to believe that if I don't do this or if I don't show up or if I don't nail this, a person's not going to get saved or Mm. a person's not going to get counseled or the ministry's not going to move forward or the church is going to fail or we're not going to find a building or what, you know, all all of these things. And you just, you don't realize how your grip is starting to get really tight (laughs) on certain things and how, um, you, you start getting afraid of failure you don't realize how fear of failure has, has snuck back into your heart, your heart's affections, and it might be driving you more than you think. Um, and also, this is one of the most dangerous aspects of the ministry, is that you can replace your devotional life with God with ministry for God. Oh, yeah, for sure. So instead of reading the Bible, because I love God and I enjoy it and I need it for myself, I read the Bible to preach the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, and then here's what's dangerous. And then even though I might not have had any communion with the Lord in that Bible time, 
I get up and preach, and when I preach, the Lord anoints me, the Lord uses his word, I see fruit, I see results, I hear thank yous, I see lives changed, and that gives me a dose of whatever it gives me, a dose of adrenaline, that gives me a dose of attaboy, that, that tells me, man, you're doing something good in the world, God used you, Whew. and that gets me through another six days, right, where I have to kind of do it again. Well, a sabbatical takes you away from that. So it's like, it takes you out of that adrenaline cycle. It takes you out of that fear-driven cycle. Because men, we're, we're driven by fear. We want to go out there and, and win because we don't want to be a failure. We want to do good on that project because we don't want to look bad, right? We want to uh, provide for our family and make more money, right? Yeah. So we, we're driven by fear in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. And, we don't re- and we're driven by our ego or driven by our reputation. So when we do good... Oftentimes we don't give glory to God. We say, yeah, man, I'm actually getting pretty good at this, aren't I? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. So a sabbatical takes you out of that feedback loop. Mm. Where now, I mean, here's the questions. Are you going to read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Why? You, you don't, you don't got to preach. You don't got to teach. You don't got to counsel. You know, you still going to read, read the books? Why? Yeah. Why, why are you going to read the books? You know? You ain't got nothing to preach, and you're not getting any attaboys. Guess what? My kids never come to me. Dad, that was just such a wise saying you said right there. Thank you. Where did you get? What book did you get that from, Dad? Can I read that book? <laughs> yeah. I would love to walk in the ways of wisdom, yeah. fear the Lord, respect my parents. Your kids don't care, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're not getting. You're just out of that. That's what I want to say. You're out of that feedback loop. Um, where you're really vulnerable, you're vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy, you're vulnerable to your own flesh, you're vulnerable to discouragement. Um, but at the same time, you're also open to the Lord because I, I think this summer was one of the most sanctifying experiences that I've had in, in the last 11 years. Yeah. Because I'm out of all of that where I'm getting the positive affirmations um, I don't have to read the Bible, but I, I just want to, right? So, so I'm in it, and, and, and I'm surrounded by all my kids yeah. who I, I... It is a blessing from the Lord to go to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it is, all right? Because right now at, at a classical Christian school, those <laughs> teachers are dealing with my children, and they're seeing them push back, and they're dealing with their sin, and they're doing all that. And, and then for an hour or so, my, my wife will deal with it before I get home, and then I've got them for three or four hours, right? Well, on sabbatical, you all seven of us were locked in a car yeah. and locked in a tiny condo that's, that's way smaller than, than our house, you know, two-bedroom condo, all seven of us, for uh, weeks on end, you know? And you begin to see how your sin has been transferred to your children and how it bugs you so much more in them than it does in you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? Uh, and they don't give you the, those like attaboys and great no. job and I was all tell- those things. They tell you about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I was telling the others, you know, was, it was a joke, but I remember like one of my children was was saying the word freaking all, all the time. And I... and, and I literally, I almost wanted to say to them, would you freaking stop saying freaking? Because <laughs> right, right. I knew where it came from. Right. And I was like, why have I been so flippant with that word that now it's just second nature? Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, it's like, gosh. 
and, you know, impatience or being rude to their brothers or sisters or just whatever, whatever it is. Want, so I talked about the, the, uh, the being yes, you know, saying yes all yeah. the time. Well, I've got a couple kids who are more like me and, and they just don't get tired. And they can just go from beach to mini golf to mm-hmm. let's go walk on a beach, let's get ice cream, let's watch a movie. Let just and, and you're not an extrovert, so that <laughs> you're not liking this. <laughs> but and eventually, mom and dad are looking at each other with glossy eyes, going, "I don't know if I can handle this." Right. And this is why you come back from vacation many times, and parents say things like, "We need a vacation from our vacation." Um, but so that was very sanctifying because. I realized some areas in my parenting um, that needed the grace of God yeah. and needed repentance and had to repent to my kids many times. Um, and, um, and yeah, so that was, uh, so that, that was, that was hard. Cause um, you know, you know, you always are like, am I ruining my kids? Am I destroying yeah. them? Is this, they're going to be an MC talking about this someday. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious. Uh, you had given us several things that you said being removed from ministry uh, or that ministry affirmation, if you will, that comes from week to week. Uh, was there anything that you discovered about, uh, you know, you all of a sudden you had this time where you, where you didn't have that ministry drive nor that ministry affirmation. Was there anything that you discovered about yourself in that regard in terms of, of you know, wow, I didn't realize how much this does drive me oh, yeah. in, a, in a, maybe a way that's not honoring yeah. to God. Yeah, for sure. So, <clears throat> well, a, a couple, couple ways. When I, when I got, when I got back from Colorado, anyways, we, we got to Colorado sure. and then as soon as I opened the door in Keystone and I felt that mountain air hit me, I was like, oh, I was dumb two days ago. This is what my soul needed. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it is our happy place and we, and you know, just, Outside, riding mountain bikes, hiking, being in the creek, being wild, going on top of a mountain, just having fun. It was, it was, and we have lots of family out there. It was great. <clears throat> I get home, and uh, another pastor in the area called me and wanted to hang out and, and smoke cigars and, and talk. And so uh, I went over there, and he's like, "Man, how it, it's how long's it been?" I said, "It's been it's been uh, uh, o- over two months now." And he's like, "Oh, dude," he's like, "I bet you're just." chomping at the bit ready to get back in the pulpit and I said actually man this is the first time I've thought of the pulpit Hmm. I said and no I'm not chomping at the bit to get back in the pulpit and that was shocking for me to say Uh, it was shocking for me to realize that I hadn't missed it I hadn't thought about it I hadn't now again I, I had missed our church family I'd missed worshiping. I missed the liturgy. I'd, because of the travel and the, the dates that we were driving, we were almost always driving on a Sunday. Yeah. And so um, we, we missed church for those, like, basically first seven weeks we, mm-hmm. we missed church. Um, and so I, I missed those things, but I didn't miss preaching. And I was trying to figure out what it is. And though I love it, I was coming to realize that I don't need it, that if I didn't come back to ministry, that I would be okay. Because the first things that God called me to do is to love my wife and to lead my family. And honestly, that's a big enough job. For sure. So I'm like, man, I got work to do here. And 
I can go make more money swinging a hammer and building homes. And it's like, if that's what, if, if that's with that, you know, if God calls me to that, that's what I'll do. I, I, that's my primary, primary ministry that I care more about. I, I don't want to lose my wife. I don't want to lose my kids. You know, I care more about them following Jesus than I do the church, mm. you know, like, and hopefully you guys understand that that's actually good. You know, I'm to lead my family first, but, um, so I was just kind of caught up in that. Um, and so I, I was okay if I wasn't going to go back to preaching, but the, I would just say like in that, like, I mean, if we could pause on that for a minute, just even with you saying that you want to disciple your family first before the church. And I think like so many people forget about that. They're always looking for the revival and the biggest attractional thing that we could do in the city. Um, but like it starts with you first and then your household. Yeah. And I think that gets passed up so many times where we want the biggest church. We want the, the biggest building. We want the biggest things. Um, but God has called us to disciple our own homes first. And I, when we do that well is when those hearts are revived and then that continues in, in, in the city. So. Yeah. yeah. So, so in all of that, I realized, again, what I am, I want to be excellent. Like I have a desire to honor God, to use the gifts that he's given me to the best of my ability. So I do want to be the best preacher I can be. And I want to be the best pastor I can be. And I want to be the best teacher and discipler that I can be and leader that I can be. So when I'm in it, that drive, that so there's a there's a godly ambition there that God honors. That that godly ambition is there to see people come to Christ and be discipled. <clears throat> but then you you know you're just human nature and the and the flesh can get get mixed in there, of, um, you know just just how the flesh tries to. To, to taint that, right? And tries to, um, so you get, you start worrying about either offending people or you start worrying about, are they going to like this? Um, is this good enough? Is this sermon going to be good enough? Um, and that, that's different. I don't know how to describe it right now. That's different than just godly ambition. So here's what it looks like. I study, I write, I preach twice <laughs> and then soon as I walk off that stage in the back of my mind, Sunday's coming. Mm -hmm. Sunday's coming. You've got six days until you got to do it again. And the next one needs to be a little bit better than the last one. Yeah. You know, that's just the, that's, it, it's not, I just need to be faithful to God and I'm going to, you know, because here's the deal. We all come to expect certain things. You come to expect certain things from me as a preacher. No one knows if I had a horrible week that week. Nobody knows if I had to do a funeral or I had a wedding or I had intense counseling or, or I had a bunch of family emergencies. Nobody knows those things. Mm. And I don't, I don't want, and really nobody cares. And, and Sunday's always coming. Yeah. Sunday's always coming. And so that, pressure can make you get really, the word I used on Sunday is really myopic, mm -hmm. just so tunnel vision that my wife would be like, hey, we got to pick up the kids here. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to, and I'll be like, I don't know. I got to, I have to study. And so I'm just like, 
basically I'm saying figure that out, babe. Yeah. You're gonna have to figure that out because I got Sunday's coming and I and I've yeah. got to preach. Where other personalities, uh, the, this pastor I was talking to, he was telling me, he's like, oh man, I've had a busy week, haven't done anything. It's Saturday. He's like, I gotta go write my sermon. I'm like, you're writing your sermon on Saturday? Yeah. Now for him. His wife says, oh, I got this, I got that. He, okay, you know, and he'll go drive the kids and he'll go do all this kind of stuff. And then the sermon prep gets pushed back to Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, oh. And he actually, it was when I was on sabbatical and he had heard that I was coming to his church and he literally goes, not this week, bro. He's like, don't come this week. I'm like, why? He's like, because I'm writing my sermon on Saturday. I'm like, all right, I won't come. Um, so that kind of pressure, make for me, it makes me in one sense compartmentalize and choose the sermon, choose the, the preaching over the concerns of life sure. most of the time. And I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know if that's right. I know that's, um, I know that's something unique about most men, that we have that ability to compartmentalize and, and to do the hard thing and to do the difficult thing. Um, one of the so we also took our kids to um, overnight to um, Makokota Caves, and uh, we went caving and did all this stuff. But before we did it, I had them watch uh, the movie. I think it's called Thirteen Lives on Amazon Prime. This is the type of dad I am, <laughs> and it's about it's about uh, these this Thai soccer players who went into this cave, and then monsoon season hit, and they got and it got flooded, and they got pushed back in the back of the cave, like miles from the entrance of the cave, completely underwater, and it was going to be months before the water went down. Now, I'm going to, this is a spoiler alert, so if you haven't seen it, you might just want to push pause here, but they, they, they don't know how they're going to rescue these kids, and these three professional cave divers come in. First off, they send the Navy SEALs in. One of the Navy SEALs dies, like the Navy SEALs can't get to them. I mean, you're, you're like in tiny caves, yeah. pitch black water, swimming with tanks of oxygen on you, and no, they can't get deep enough. Well, these expert cave divers from like the UK and Australia, they all come to help out. And they get in there, and they're just, this is their thing. They're gifted at this. The three and a half hours underwater in narrow, tiny underwater caves, they make it back to these kids and they find them, and all 13 kids are alive, okay? But here's what they, they realize. There's no way it is physically impossible to get these kids out of here mm. because they've never put a mask on. When you put a mask on and you go underwater, you're going to freak out, and you're going you're gonna to kill you or the other person. And it's a three-and-a-half-hour swim wow. underwater in, in a pitch-black cave. And one man stepped up and said, and it had been like two weeks, they're back there with nothing for two weeks. One man said, I have an impossible, this is an impossible idea. More than likely, 80% of these kids are going to die. But if we don't do this, they're going to, all of them are going to die. We can't tell their parents. We can't tell the media. We can't tell anyone, but these people in this room that we're going to do this, here's my idea. We're going to put them under, we're going to sedate them. We're going to put the masks on. We're going to tie their hands and feet together. We're going to bring them out like UPS packages. And we're going to have to sedate them three times while underwater because the sedation only works for whatever it is, an hour at a time. Yeah. 
we're going to pull them out like packages. One at, and we can't let the kids know we're doing it or the kids will freak out. So one by one, they sit them on their knee, they inject them, they tie their feet together, tie their hands together, they put the mask on, they bring them out, and they saved every single one of them. Wow, that's cool. Now listen, I don't mean this disparagingly. There's not a woman on the face of the earth that would make that decision. <laughs> it's, it, you, 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 it is, you have to disconnect your emotions completely and say, we have to be willing that 80% of them will die. That is what God, one of the things that God made men in such a way that we're meant to shut off our emotions and make hard decisions. Like a general in the army, he knows 20% of my men are going to die and I have to send them forward. If we're going to take the hill, I have to send them forward. And these men made that call and thankfully, like amazingly, all 13 kids and the coach, or 12 kids and the coach all made it out. I mean, you're... If you're claustrophobic, you will freak out watching this movie. Because, yeah. and I knew they made it out, but I didn't know how they made it out. It was fascinating. So, like, wait a minute. Now I'm really yeah. curious. So you had your children watch this before yeah. they went to the yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. What was your thinking about you, just just to prepare them that there may be so, <laughs> so, so they want to go into yeah. too many dark ones or <laughs> yeah. what? So, like, so yeah. we we've been to the caves before, and my kids love them, and the kids go deep, and they wear the headlamps, and they do the whole deal. And there was this one point part in the, it's called the Y cave in Makoka that goes straight down about 30 or 40 feet. And then you got to shimmy under this rock and you got to get wet. And it, like, it scares you. Like it's, you're, you're, you're belly to back rock and, and, but when you go through it, it opens up to a big cave. Yeah. And my kids had always been too scared to do it. So I, I watch and, and they're telling me <laughs> they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. And so I, you know, I like to make things a little more fearful. I like to make things a little more because I, this is what I believe. Life is hard. Life is hard. And if you, if you make everything soft and easy for your kids, they're not ready for the real world. And so sure. I bring more pain into my children's life than anybody else. I, I take them on hard bike rides, take them on hard hikes, take them on hard swims. I take them out and, and challenge them to do things they didn't think they could do. And then they overcome those things and realize, wow, that was actually fun. And I actually did it. And so I just did it to mess with them and to, to play around with them. And they were like, dad, I can't believe it. But they all, now here's your the daughters thing. do that too. Listen, we got down there. Guess who couldn't shimmy through there? Guess you? who got scared? You did. Me. <laughs> Chicken. All my kids made it through. You should have had your wife go, man. Oh my, See, no, look. she didn't go down. She, no, she's, she was more braver than you, no, man. No, she's petrified. <laughs> she won't go into this. But we got down there, and I I was like, not today, kids. <laughs> not today. But they, and I checked it out, made sure they could go, and they went down there and went way back in there, and they had a, they had a great time. Wow. And, they, they, and then they got up there, and they just felt like, heroes yeah. that they had mm-hmm. just done something that and a couple of their friends and, ke- and people were too afraid to do it and they were like we did it we conquered something that was yeah. scary and that was difficult yeah. and i think it's just an imp- important for the kids to have uh things like that yeah in their life yeah that's good so that was part <laughs> of the that was this summer I, yeah okay that, that was, was the summer. summer okay yeah. yeah so you you went to uh you got back to colorado did you have any did you go any other trips after that or go any, uh, away? Any? Yeah, we got to do one thing. My wife and I, we had a gift uh, mm. gift from the church from right. last pastor's appreciation in October <laughs> uh, to go up for a night in Chicago. And um, on the way up there, my we, we left the baby with, uh, with our MC, some friends in our MC and the kids with my parents. We split them all up, you know, because yeah, yeah. we got so many of them. And on the way up there, we realized we have not been away mm. without kids mm since 2019. Yeah. 
So it had been, it had been almost three years since a man and I had an overnight together because we got a baby with new, newer baby, you know, 18 month old baby and, and just all kinds of COVID, COVID and all kinds of things. Yep. So got to go up there, stayed in a hotel, walked the city. Um, uh, one of the, the, our members got us reservations and a gift card at some kind of super swanky restaurant. That was really nice. We got to do that, eat some good food and just be together and catch up on our summer, catch up on what God was doing in each of our heart. Um, mm. And it was, mm. man, it was just so good. You just realize how much you love your wife and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully she realized how awesome I am. You know, <laughs> yeah. We'll have her on a yeah, next yeah, yeah. podcast yeah. without you. You just realize how much. <laughs> Let's see her view of things. Yeah. <laughs> so we had, yeah. it just, it was just a, now just you, so you came to the end, I'm going to, you came to the end of the, the sabbatical. We as elders asked, well, how, you know, how, what'd you think? And you said, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> again. Uh-huh. What, why was that? I, I, you were saying that, Kind of jokingly, but mm. kind of serious. So, mm. what's what was kind of behind that? What was what was difficult about it, or was it like it makes you realize? Because you know, we all have this dream idea of what this is going to be like, yeah. right? And we think this is going to be so fantastic. But yeah. then you discover, wait a minute, actually, we're made to work. One, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so it's interesting that all of a sudden we're not working, and or at least working on our our primary calling. What was it that caused you to go, wow? I don't know if I can ever do this again. Yeah. Well, yeah, like we like you said there, we are made to work. And we're meant to find joy in our work. You know, Ecclesiastes talks about that. Solomon yeah. talks about that in Ecclesiastes, yeah. finding joy in our labor. <clears throat> and God gives us the gift of work and the gift to enjoy our work. So, and, and, and it is what I'm good at. Like the God, God's blessed me in a certain way. So you're not getting to do what you're mm-hmm. good at. This is one of the reasons you see Tom Brady come back in the NFL. This is the reason you see Jordan <laughs> unretire and I'm back and he comes back because Though it's stressful and though it's difficult and, and though when you're in it, you, you're tired and exhausted and you just want to break, when you get away, mm. you, you really miss it. So, but, so the reason um, I said never again because, or potentially never again, yeah. it felt like I wasn't doing what God had called me to do in, in a sense, you know, like, a, like I'm being indulgent or lazy. It did, it did feel like that for, for me. <clears throat> um. It was incredibly difficult soul work that I had to do, um, just dealing with the consequences and repercussions of my parenting up until this point. To see that right in my, right in my face, hmm. um, you know, it was. And listen, you're you're, you know, well, you guys are all married here. Your wife won't let you just sit in the lazy boy. For, for very long, man. Nah. <laughs> Pretty soon it's like, hey, uh, can you clean the garage? Can you get that shed? Can you can you power wash the side of the can house? Drive the kids back hey, can you replace that light <laughs> over there? Hey, could you know, she's got that list in the back of her head that you've been too busy for yeah. for a long time. And so any moment she's just ready to pull that out and be, oh, you got a couple hours? Because I've got something I need for you to do. So, uh, oh, and one of the things I did when I got back is that, that we built an epic tree house. Yeah. So a huge tree house and zip line and rope climb and all kind of stuff stuff that that was one of those things that the kids have been wanting for a long time and um never had time for and, and did it um so i think it was just outside of my normal rhythm not not working so not not enjoying that aspect <clears throat> and so you're alone with your thoughts a lot you're alone with your thoughts um the most difficult piece 
was I was outside of my community. So it felt like I was taking a sabbatical from my best friends and from my peers and from people that I really love. And I wasn't a part of the church for seven weeks. So the rhythm of confessing sins and being absolved and worshiping the Lord and hearing the word, I didn't get that. Um, and, and it was, uh, dark. It was very dark at times. Oh, another thing I need to remind you of when I'd get woken up at 3am and have kind of depressing and dark moments, I realized I can't go back to sleep and I don't really want to read right now. I need a mindless television show that I can just watch until I fall asleep. And so I started watching F1. Oh, that's, yes. good. that's a good one. Yes. Formula One from you. Yes. And I loved it. Oh, I good. killed yeah. it all the seasons. <laughs> and uh, I just had a blast. I thought it was so cool. And, you know, getting into that, those races and everything. And, um, and I, thought, I thought it was just awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and, and the elders had kind of told everyone, hey, yeah. don't, don't call Justin, you know, and, and <sighs> everyone kind of, Obey. <laughs> they'll, they'll do that, didn't they? <laughs> uh, until one of my best friends yeah. uh, broke the rule just to check in. Well, I can, I can tell you behind the, behind the scenes there is the best friend came to me as an elder and said, do you mind if I call? <laughs> I said, yeah, I think it's probably good that you would call him yeah. kind of a feel to us. I think as we reflect back on it, I think we were realizing eh, maybe that wasn't the best of advice uh, yeah. for, our, for our church to have. I think there was a lot of people who wanted to check in, see how you're doing, cared, you know, kind of a thing. But they were... Hey, they were obedient. They yeah. <laughs> we we made it pretty clear not to not to contact you so that you could have some time away. But not, but I'm not sure how wise that was. We yeah, have to reflect and, back on that one. But. And my my counselor, um, he said it's best to you know take a break from from the church because normally you come back if you're not at the church and I come back into the church on a Sunday morning. Um. One, I'm going to be critiquing things like, why is that slide wrong? Or why did we choose this song? Or what, you know, like I'm in, I feel like I'm in work mode, like leadership mode. And then people, you know, hey, how are you doing? And you want to get coffee? You know, it'd just be that weird. So he's like, just, just, it's best not to go. Well, when we got back from Colorado, I was like, no, I'm going back to church. And we're all going back. And even my kids, like you could see it in my kids. Like they haven't confessed their sins. You know, they haven't been, I'm like, we got to go back to church. So we went to, um, Sacred City Moline, and it was just like breath of fresh air, um, so good. I literally just wept through the worship, and it was just so good to be a part of of the community. and And then when I came back to to Davenport, even better. Uh, came back like two weeks before the sabbatical was over, and yeah. and again just wept through the worship, and so thankful for liturgy and yeah. leaders, and and that the church was still here, and you know. <laughs> mm. So there's some okay. things that like uh, like you have learned. Like I mean, you're talking about um, you're kind of out of community. Like maybe you would be in community next time, or you know, some stuff about being alone. Right? That is probably good for your soul. That you need to be alone. Things like that that you've learned that coming back or maybe yeah. For the next I haven't time. I haven't written anything down. I haven't written anything down. I haven't really went through it and written you know wrote them out processed process in that way. Probably in my next um, sabbatical day. So I'll take a. A, a day of solitude day and uh, I'll probably write some of those things down because mm. interestingly enough most of what I've gained from the sabbatical came after I got back here mm. and checked in with the elders and, and checked in with our people because oh here's another thing that goes on you get away for that long and, and the devil starts telling you nobody misses you like 
they, they're doing fine without you. Yeah. you you're, you're not needed back there. Like, and so that's what I meant. I had to wrestle with, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'll just go be a carpenter, you know? <clears throat> so stepping back into the church and people missing me and thanking me and being excited to see me, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I am loved. <laughs> I, I am loved around here. So I, I learned a lot, man. I can't, um, I, I'm getting, I'm just verbal, verbally processing this right now. I, I did get to read quite a bit. Um, but it was a lot messier, a lot more soul work than like, you know, I met with God on the, t- the top of Mount Sinai and he gave me the, the vision for the church for the next 10 years. And yeah, right. here's what I'm, what I'm going to do. Right. You know, one thing I did mention, you know, Psalm 139 says that, that God knows our frame. Yeah. Well, not just knows it, but he, he built it yeah. in the, in our mother's womb. And everyone here, we have different frames. We have different gifts, different talents, different personalities, all these different things, spiritual gifts. And, and he, God made us for our seasonal place place of ministry, place of life, family, all these different things to accomplish what he wanted us to accomplish. And he made me as a fighter. That's one of the things he made me as a fighter. Uh, I know our main fight is not against flesh and blood. You know, it's against the rulers, against spiritual, spiritual rulers and, you know, demons and all these different things. But I am more comfortable. I'm more comfortable in conflict than, than most people are. Okay. And to be in sabbatical, you're basically, I kind of felt like I was an old war horse that had been brought out to pasture, all right? And everybody else is off at war, and I'm- and Too I'm, old, man. You got to get back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, but I was built for that. Right, like, right. I, you know, but this is why, like, guys get shell-shocked in the war, and they, they get flown over to Germany, and they get to have some time off in Germany or time off back in the States, and they go back because you need that, that, that time away. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I, I realized, and I, and I think we're living in a, a cultural moment that is, is going to be conflict-heavy because the dark is so much darker. There's less gray mm-hmm. than there has ever been. Um, there's less... Um, kind of Christian, kind of moral type of people. I mean, there, there are people now who legitimately believe that a woman has a right to kill the baby in her womb up until nine months, the day of birth. And that is just, I mean, evil. You can't say anything other than it's just evil. Yeah. And so we have, we need truth speakers. We need um, warriors, you know what I mean? We, we, need, we need that for for. For a seat for the season, I think, and uh, so it's it, it was good to be away. It was good to be aware of you know what. Maybe God made me like this for a reason. I do need a break. I can I can go too far with that easy, but maybe God's called me for this moment for for a reason. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so it was not three months of vacation, hmm. and so that's why I said no. I don't know if I'll ever do this again. Because it was three months of wrestling with God. Is this what you've called me to? Who am I? You know, um, how have I done ministry? How have I done parenting? How have I done, you know, life the last 10 years? How's it going? What do I need to change the next decade moving forward? Um, it was a lot of that. 
But I think, like you said, like you haven't wrote it down to see like if it's good or not. But I think another good piece about it is like you submitting to the eldership of like them saying you need this break, your family need this break. And I think for a lot of people, they don't submit to anyone. And if you submit to an eldership that can say like, hey, no, you need to sit down for a minute. You need to take this break. And I just think that's good and healthy for your eldership. And then also for us to see that as a church. Yeah. So Well, that's that's definitely one thing, you know, being the lead pastor, you are the chief target for the enemy. Mm -hmm. If he can take you out, he can take the rest of the church out. And you're the chief target for any enemies, anybody. So you're taking most of the shots. You're taking most of the arrows. I got pulled off to the sideline. The elders got Mm. put in that place. So the elders had to carry that weight. The elders Mm. had to be that. You got to get up and you got to give the, give a talk. You got to, you got to send the email. You've got to write the post. And then, and then you got to deal with the the critique and the pushback that comes with everything that you do. Yeah, for sure. Because it can always be done done better. And so I think they got to feel that weight, which was good for them. And and I got to be out in the pasture, mm-hmm. not not the one doing it all the yeah. time, yeah. you know, and saying it all the time. Yeah. But I think it's good to even. I mean, it raises up your, even your eldership to, to yeah. those pieces of things that maybe you didn't think they could do or different stuff like that as the head guy. And, and now they, they did those things and it's... Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think that's pretty much it. Um, when I got I got back and just went back in the normal rhythm of life, basically woke. So once I got back to, in August, I said, all right, now I want to start transitioning to what I want my life to look like when I get back in. So I started waking up about 6 a.m., sort of going out to my garage, doing a workout in my garage, um, starting my day off like that, and then drinking my coffee, reading my Bible, and then reading a little bit more and then going to jujitsu and, 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 uh, and then doing something in the afternoon, like building a tree house or, uh, mm-hmm. I, I went on, so I didn't have battles to fight. So I fought the battle of the weeds in my yard. Mm-hmm. And so I just went after the clover and, and I, I conquered, I conquered the clover in, in my yard, uh, took my kids on bike rides and, you know, yep. just did stuff like that until, Got to get back in into the office and getting. I'm still getting into the swing of things. Last week was my first full week, and uh, it was full um, with mm-hmm. members meeting and preaching a couple times and uh, mm-hmm. different meetings, me- different meetings with with separate members and staff meeting and trying trying not to jump back in on you know jump on the speeding train, but trying to slowly get back into things and um, life in my MC and and all that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been just about an hour, so we might as well close this thing down. So thank you for listening. Um, again, if you guys have any questions, you have any comments, you got anything that we want to, you want to hear us talk on, we would uh, uh, love to hear your feedback. We're thankful for you listening to us. So we love you. We're praying for you and God bless. Mm-hmm.